Good morning, Irvine, and welcome to another great episode of Sports Matters. It's Tuesday, June 23rd. I am your host, Kevin Drake, and sitting across from me, your other great host, creator, Mr. Matt Burt Sports. How you doing, sir? Can't complain. How are you, Kevin? Oh, you can tell I'm great. I'm, I'm highly energized. I mean, from a week ago, I thought it was all doom and gloom, and you know, I might have myself a job. I said well, myself. How about that? Yeah, not so, correct English. <laughs> we, boy, if Elizabeth Donaldson, that was on our show, remember she was like the English major oh my god yes you would give me a tongue lashing right now like how dare you say that but we're more on the comedic side if you will we don't take it too seriously this is a sports show sports are uh, fun it is an important sports show because we have covered some delicate topics and i know last week we had uh, issues at the radio station some equipment failure but our show did go out and it was a very important show but ladies and gentlemen you can go to anchor.fm type in sports matters and listen to the last episode because I have to say, Matt and I, we really touched on some delicate issues. Just given our personal opinions, and everybody's entitled to opinion. But it's a great show. In the first 30 minutes, we did hit some some great topics. So please listen to that. We're gonna get popping here on sports matters. Uh, first of all, we're gonna start off with the NHL. Because the NHL's been kind of quiet. It seemed like they were organized. They got the perfect system. They're going to they have the 2014 playoffs or jump it right into the playoffs, as a matter of fact. And now I'm hearing a lot of players have just tested positive for COVID-19. Can you elaborate on what's the latest on the NHL, Matty? Well, with the new news, we'll see what happens in terms of them pushing back timing or whatever. I think that the NHL is going to have to monitor this and they're going to have to do something where they're going to have to quarantine everyone in their location. I think it's Las Vegas, correct? Correct. Um, I was about to say North Dakota. I don't know why I was going to say North Dakota, but that is completely wrong. That would be so awesome if that they played in North so Dakota. Awesome. You know, just so much hockey. Come on. Like, actually, dude. actually, that would make sense in a sense of the COVID-19 pandemic, but That's Vegas is saying. obviously the, the landing destination you want to have it. Well, you could have been so creative. You could have had a pond hockey tournament. You throw some, you know, actual Outdoor. outdoors. Why like, we, yeah, you would totally definitely have to go doing? far north for that. Except, except it's summertime. We'd have to go yeah. like the way North Pole. North. Yeah, somewhere <laughs> like you got to play on Antarctica. Yeah. You got to skate past penguins. Uh, and then uh. not just the actual team penguins. You got to skate by penguins and then additional penguins. But just that be careful of so the polar bears. Yeah, the Watch polar out bear. for the polar bears. They'll come out. Just yeah, make sure it, you have a bucket full of fish so you keep them at bay and feed those guys. Oh. And if Detroit Red Wings score and they throw octopus on the the pond, oh man! If that happened, (laughs) you all would be meals. Oh my god, (laughs) that would be as fun to watch as MMA Island. You know? Oh my goodness. (laughs) You have a hundred MMA fighters, and they fight to to you know the last man standing. That'd be sick. There's no that would be sick if you got the top sixteen fighters in the world and you. And you had that, that tournament to go on down, like, you know, in their weight classes, of course, and just let them go and just, you know, boom, boom. You just have that quick tournament style. Instead of an octagon, they fight on the beach. It's just like there's a referee and stuff. Each yeah. one of them goes to run. 
Oh, that'd be uh, awesome. There's yeah, like some Spike TV stuff that we could do, but I mean, Boy, ladies and gentlemen, I know we spun off creative. I know we spun off topic, but we're just trying to have some fun this morning. Anyway, get back NHL. to NHL. NHL. It's actually so, in Las Vegas, and yes, yeah. a lot of players have tested positive for COVID nineteen, and I know they got to do in depth cleaning of all the facilities that are in Las Vegas. What have you heard the latest? <laughs> they're NHL. still muttering. They're, they're, they're still, they're, yeah. They're still figuring things out. Yeah. I think with the new news, they were ready to set go. And then with the new news, they're going to have to either not have those players go or they're going to have to figure things out before they enter those, before they enter the tournaments and start going into the playoffs. So as far as the NHL, they're kind of just sitting pat and figuring things out. They'll probably announce something more this week and they'll figure things out because right now we, we didn't get past the first wave. <laughs> so We have it. We have it. And, you know, you yeah. brought up a good point because with all the – well, the George Floyd uniform – excuse me, the George Floyd funeral, not uniform, there were a lot of people there that weren't wearing masks. And then, of course, the Memorial Day weekend, we're starting to see those cases. So, Well, I think that for the most part, it's tough to just attribute it to those two things. I think it's more along the lines of states opening up places early. It's really that too, hard. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what is, I think, in my opinion, you know, the protests are one thing and you can obviously catch it there. But I think it's a culmination of that and the states allowing, you know, opening up places like bars. That's true. And restaurants where it's close together. Yeah. And you're seeing states like Texas, Florida, you know, all the states that weren't reporting very many cases the first time, they're starting to see spikes. I think Arizona, since May, has is leading the world in the most confirmed cases in the past 60 days or whatever or his last 30 days so that it's like it's slowly spreading to places that it wasn't hitting before right um, and it's that's just scary growing. Yeah. yeah and so it's gonna make its way around and that's exactly what when people said it's a, it's a political thing democratic states are reporting less numbers than republican states it was, it was, no it just you hadn't can't. reached those places yeah. you know those are excuses. Those are excuses, and they're unverified facts. It's not but even people a fact. Were to. Yeah. And there, well, you know, we live out here. We live out here in California, and you notice you're you're in Newport, and I was down in Laguna and San Clemente last weekend. This weekend, I'm kind of self quarantining because all the people I saw on the beaches, nobody's wearing masks. And I tell you, I got a saying for you. Yes, you may not like wearing a mask, but I tell you what, it's a lot better than being on a ventilator. Yeah. You know, be vigilant. Look, I know it's uncomfortable wearing a mask. I wear a mask when I'm around other people. And the thing is, I actually been tested because I had a, a doctor's appointment a couple of weeks ago. So I know I don't have it, but I don't want to get it. But I definitely don't want to give it to anybody. I would feel horrible if that were to happen. But get back yeah. to hockey. At least we could say about the NHL is that they've already got their agreement. So it's just a matter of them health. just being safe. It's more of the health concerns. At least they're good to go. They're probably going to be the first sports and maybe the only sports that happens this summer. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, but the NHL is probably going to happen, but they just got to take more in-depth precautions, I guess. I mean, sports are at a very interesting influx. This is the most time that we have ever not played sports. We've gone over 100 days. It was 100 days last week. We went to 99 plus. Oh, in- dang. You just answered one of my trivial questions. <laughs> and the, last, the previous sorry like i didn't mean to you can't tell me that 
I already got one. Uh, yeah. no, that's good. Ladies and gentlemen, days. I don't know how many exact it is yeah. now, but yeah. Kevin, I'm probably going to get all five before you even ask them. Ladies and gentlemen, the thing is on this show, it's only when we're live on radio that we have these telepathic ways, and Matt just read my mind. He's already inside my mind. He's like, okay, I know what the five questions are, but I'm going to be cool, nonchalant. I may even try to miss one just to mess with you. <laughs> uh, maybe i just do it just to oh you got me <laughs> you know? yeah but like when we were doing the chris collins show he asked the question about a random sport where they throw goats into a ring and oh you nailed off the bat before he even even had the multiple choices like oh i know what you play it's goats and he's like how in the heck do you know that and i was like don't ask me how i know these things i need to learn things like that are actually important like physics or, you know, some science, but instead I just have random music and sports facts in my brain. It's weird how that happens. You know, it's all that good reading you're doing as a, as a child, reading that sports page. And, and yeah, that's where I learned to read. It's, it's like, uh, <laughs> the sports that pages. is like, I'm not even joking. Yeah. We, we had the big book of everything that you could read, a big bookshelf, and there was like things like puppies and, you know, all these cute little things. And I was like, nah. And so I said, can I bring in something to read? She's like, sure. So I brought in the sports page and I would sit there and read the sports page when I first learned to read. So it was, there, like, it's yeah. been a grain for a while. That's uh, so awesome. Yeah, I have a similar experience with you. When I used to stay with my grandparents when I was little and on the weekend, on Sunday morning, you know, my grandmother's cooking up breakfast. My grandfather's reading the newspaper and he usually reads the sports section before I get up and he'd have it waiting for me. And he would pass me the sports section because that's the one section. He always thought I liked the comics, but I really liked reading the sports section because I yeah. love the Cincinnati Reds. And I would read all about all the beat writers about the Cincinnati Reds because at that time, that was the only way you could read about the Reds. And then I also subscribed to... Uh, a magazine called Reds View, which came out bi-weekly. So now, you know, fast forward it, you can find that information on the CincinnatiReds.com. But at the time, there was no .com. And that's what I read was the Reds View. So like you, I did the same thing, just different generation. But that's so awesome that you got to do that. Like, like You're like, I'm not reading these children's books. Give me the sports page. I want to yeah. read good stuff. It's true fact. You got to ask Mrs. Jacobs, my kindergarten teacher. <laughs> in kindergarten yeah you're more advanced than i was in kindergarten that's what i love about okay. the new generation the new generation is smarter and you know we will prevail we're you know the i'm so hopeful for the future let's put it that uh, way i'm optimistic not, everyone is dumb though we, <laughs> we are all equal in different ways like you know because i know sports but if you ask me to be like a car mechanic i'd be like huh i don't know what that is i have no right. idea there's like, you know, a lot of people will say, I'm this person's smarter than me because they went to college. Like, no, not really. You know, everyone's smart in their own realms. So Absolutely. I mean, there's book smart, there's street smarts, there's social intelligence, there's emotional intelligence. Extrovert, introverts. Lots, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of different ways that people are intelligent and their passions. There's a lot of talents that people possess that they don't even know that yeah. You know, that's why it takes someone like an inspiration, like of a Dale Brown, for instance, coach Dale Brown, tap into that and get that out of you. And what a great motivator and inspiration, you know, father's day is coming up. So make sure to wish him a happy father's day. Cause he will love to hear from us. We love coach Dale Brown on sports matters. So we will definitely be reaching out to him, but a happy father's day to you, coach Brown. Keep on ticking. We need you more than ever right now. <laughs> yeah, so, he's up there with people we need for sure. 
So now I'm going to segue into Major League Baseball. And what a disappointment this has been because <sighs> it's so ugly what's going on. And I mean, let me just give you a little bit of a timeline. And I'll definitely, I'll give you the mic and you can go off on your rant. I'm going to do a little rant here. I'm so confused about all these different deals. It's like first Major League Baseball, you know, throws out the 82-game season. And, and I know it's money. You know, I'm, I'm leaving some stuff out. So where on the timeline are you starting? I'm not really doing a timeline, I guess. I just, I'm confused. Okay. Maybe okay. you can help me out. Why don't you elaborate and help me and the listeners? What in the heck is going on between MLB and MLB Players Association? The last couple of deals were the Major League Baseball Players Association wanted a 70-game season. Now MLB is saying a 60-game season. That's down from the 89 games they proposed earlier or no that was 114 games they proposed earlier I don't know I'm confused now I, I'm sure most listeners are confused what is going on right Matt? so what's kind of going on is a little bit of a back and forth of a negotiation I see this in a few different ways so the important facts and figures before I press this what I'm saying is right now the current proposal because previous proposals were very high and very low you know, the constant theme between the MLB is they've always lowballed the players. They've always not willing to pay them, and then they're willing to prorate. And that was a big thing because that was a step forward. So that was all, this is all previous playing catch up. And then the MLB Players Association is trying to agree to, you know, a number of games and a number of money. And I think the current proposal from the Players Association is they want to do 70 games. I think it's 72. And they want, each player to get, I think, up to, depending upon the minimum salary, they, they want up to 75% of their paychecks. Okay. Um, and it would come down to like $100,000 a game, something like that. That's a minimum salary. That, so that wouldn't be like the Mike Trouts. It's the minimum level players that make minimum salary. They would get set 100000 a game with that deal. The MLB came back and said they didn't want to do that. MLB came back and said they were only willing to pay sixty to fifty-five thousand per game. Now that's significantly lower. And so, if you're an MLB player and you look at the longevity of it, and they were only willing to play fifty-nine games, there's a ten-game difference, and there's about forty percent gap between the two pays. And so, basically, the MLB is in a stalemate. They're negotiating. Rob Manfred, who has just done a very poor job of being a guy that's supposed to be the middle grounds between the players association and the owners. And he has just not done a good job. He's always been kind of in favor of the ownership. But then again, the MLB Players Association holds the most power in these cards because of previous years. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because of previous lockouts. They've gotten stronger each lockout that they've done. And they've done this. <laughs> Crazy. And so Rob Manfred is trying to put his foot down for the owners association saying, hey, we've lost $4 billion. We can't. But the reality of it is, is that if you are going to make a deal work, right, you have to have the players. And so when the players association pitches this deal, they're kind of in unison about that this is not a good deal to take. And it definitely is not. If you're a player, you don't want to be paid 40% less than what you're anticipating. So I can see the two sides of it. Right. I definitely see the arguments on both sides now that you cleared it up because I was completely confused. But my question is, okay, you talk about, if they, let's say they 
they finally get an agreement. That, okay, we'll do 70 games or 60 games regular season expanded playoffs. We'll do 75% of the prorated money. Where's that money going to come from? Because all they're going to have is the TV rights. I mean, a lot of money Boom. comes right in there. from right there. no fans. So the two ways that they would make capital is they would have TV rights, which that is very, let me tell you, that's a lot of money right there. TV yes. deals are a ton of money and they, they float a lot of it. And that comes with sponsorships, all that good stuff. But the other way that they're going to do it is they're going to have sponsors on the jersey. Now, where they're going, what they're going to do on it, that's a big thing for the MLB to figure out. So that's one thing that has been floated out. If they're going to do, if they're going to meet the Players Association demands, it would be because the MLB is willing to throw in certain things like, we are going to have jersey sponsor on the front of your jerseys. Um, and that'll oh. help them pay for that. So that's a big thing, okay. too. So the MLB is trying to get that passed along with a few other things. But the, the one things that they have agreed on and that we are going to see that are really, you know, making the purest bad is we're going to have a universal DH. And we're probably going to have one for the years to come. I don't like that. So yeah, that that's what that takes away happen. for the purity of the game. It's there's not going to be any differences in strategy between the NL and the AL because that's what made that professional league so cool and so competitive because you had these two different rules and it's just a different strategy. Now it will take away from two-way players like Michael Lorenzen, who's a pitcher that can play in the field that can bat. Yeah, that's why I do not like that. I understand it. For this year, I totally get it. You just got to make a deal and make something work because we're just so craving sports. But in the future, I really don't want them to take away from the purity of the sport, of that part of the sport. As far as like the structure of the playoffs, yes, we could play around with that. Like I'm not purist like that. I'm just a purist as far as I like the NL rules the way they are, and I love the AL rules as they are. My yeah. personal opinion. I totally understand your opinions, and I would say this. I do agree with you. I think that's what makes it cool and that's what makes it, you know, a unique sport. And I, I like it too. But baseball has to do something. They you do. know, they, they have to do something. They're losing yeah. so much viewership and they're losing so much fan support. They are. That You're right, it's Matt. just like you got to do something. Yeah. You're right. You, but you hit a really, really good point. Commissioner, look, I don't like being a couch critic. I definitely don't like to be the couch quarterback. But I have seen great commissioners over the years. By far the best commissioner ever was Peter Uberoth. Hands down, the best commissioner of all time. He's the GOAT of commissioners. But Rob Manfred has just been dropping the ball left and right. And, you know, even like, I know we brought this analogy up, like the movie Screwball, and you can see how childish the MLB was being about that. Even after the steroid era, that whole A-Rod scenario, that steroid scandal, and how they handled that, and how they buried things, and rather not just facing the truth, face it head on, clean up the sport, and move on. It's just a poor handling of that. And the way the way they're going about it right now, it just seems like it's just such a poor handling. Look, I know it's very challenging. I can't criticize trying to work out a deal. That's very challenging. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but I just still think it's just a poor job so far. I think if you're the head of an organization, you should never go out and say the quote, I don't think we're going to play an MLB season unless we become reasonable in our demands. It's something along those. I'm paraphrasing that, and I got to go look right. up the exact quote. But he basically said that he's willing to not play the MLB season. And a lot of players are really upset, and I think he has not done a great job of handling how the media is getting this information, handling how – and I'm sure the Players Association is just one. 
okay, here's what Manfred said. I'm going to give this right to ESPN. It's going to go out everywhere. And that's what essentially what they've done. They've given yes. information to Jeff Passan, and he's just been spreading this. And so all this information that should be private, like how much the players are going to get paid per game, is now public information. You can go and look that up, and you can see the differences between the salaries. Honestly, it's like if you're Manfred, you have really botched the whole thing. To me, I'm just going to be very honest. That's my opinion on the whole thing is why play less games? It doesn't make sense. I guess you're thinking from a, you know, a travel perspective or whatnot, but if your first proposal was to play in Arizona like most teams are, like we're going to see for probably the NFL and what we're going to see for the NBA and the NHL, if we were playing proposals and playing in one state, then add more games. More games equals more television revenue. It's just very simple. And if you need to put jerseys on it, that's where the back and forth needs to go. But pay the players because they're risking things like hazard pay, you know. Absolutely. So it's like just give them what they want, but figure out a way to make more games rather than less games. You can't do an MLB season, and that's a boutique season. That's like an NCAA March Madness in the MLB. It's like one game and done. That doesn't work, you know. It just doesn't work for baseball. It never has. I mean, like, you can look at the college baseball, and they play three games. So it's going to be an interesting ride. I don't think they're close on agreement, and I think that there's just two egos that are just going at it. What you're saying, it's more of a chance that there may not even be a baseball season this year. We will see baseball this year. I just don't know when. <laughs> I, I, I think that the Rob Manfred's going to cave. I really do. And I think it's just because he's really put himself into a corner. And yeah. so now he has to figure out how to do all this and how to, to organize it. And I think he is the voice of the ownership. And the ownership does, just wants to kind of wash this out and then try to go get that fan revenue the next year. Right. But they're going to agree, and it could come sooner. It could come later. You know, I don't know when they're going to say this is all going to work. He's came out and said that he's willing to not play the season. That's poor leadership right there. You just cannot say that to the media. You cannot say that to what's going on in this nation, to, to the people of the United States of America. You just cannot say that. That's Like you said, I, I'm repeating myself, but that's poor yeah. leadership. You and just you, don't say anything. You can't give us, me and you, the general public, you know, this information of negotiations. That's just not how it works we shouldn't know until it's finalized and i think they dropped the ball there the fact that we can have this information just shows you how much of a a divisive mlb is it's two sides that look at each other and say well i'm gonna you know i don't care like you're not looking at my deal i'm not looking at your deal we're just not gonna agree and now we're not gonna get baseball because of it potentially when are you two going to just sit down and say, fans want baseball? We do. Like, everyone wants baseball to be played. If it's the first sport back, the MLB gains viewership, which is what they're losing. But instead, they're going to be the last sport They back. have the golden <laughs> opportunity to be the first sport to get out there and have all eyes on them with no other sports competing. The only thing that's going on right now is the European League or the Champions League is going on in Europe. Is the English Premier League. Or the they English Premier League. League. Yeah. The Korean baseball organization was, I don't know what the KBO, I don't know what the O stands, Korean Baseball Organization. Korean Baseball, baseball League. League, yeah. Yeah, the Korean Baseball League. They can play games. 
sometimes and the MLB cannot, that's just saying something, you know, it's like, it's saying something how difficult it is. And it's just saying how either side is really willing to budge. Yeah. And the only criticism that the Korean baseball league got was the props they had up in the stands that were promoting pornography. (laughs) But at least they're playing the sport. It's like, we need sports because we got so much angst and we've been locked away for three months now. And we still have to be in quarantine. Like, look, I'm self-quarantining this weekend. It's boring. It's a beautiful weekend out. Uh, other than me going on a hike, I'm just not going to be around people because I was around so many people the last weekend. I just want to make sure that I don't catch anything. Yeah. You no, know, I tested negative two weeks ago. It just yeah. got to be careful. Got to be vigilant. They've been saying outside is not as high of a risk than being inside with close quarters to people, which is like true. Um, so, I mean, like if you wanted to go out and about like go for a hike or whatever, just wear a face mask and try to stay away from as many people. But I think the biggest thing is big gatherings is going to be an issue. So we'll see what ends up coming about. But, uh, yeah. Well, that sums it up on Major League Baseball, ladies and gentlemen. I want to segue to some NCAA football because I just read just a few days ago that 23 football players from the national championship team, Clemson, Tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah. Former, they are not the championship because the LSU Tigers won. Yeah, a, a year ago. A year ago. I, how did I, I forget that? Down. Don't you are LSU. Thank God that I you're here, Matt. Way. That was the second trivia question. I failed that one. I'm two, <laughs> I got two of them already. No, I'm just joking I'm on that kidding. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that that's big news because you're starting to see states that weren't having very many cases. It's starting to spread to them. It's because we it's a little bit because we opened up too early we just weren't prepared for something like this and it no, shows we, we're, we're not and, and, and it shows and, it, and how we're getting out of this we're not prepared for it either we've never yeah, been it's not just clemson either it's alabama's had uh true we talked about that previously yeah they've had tested positive um there's a lot of football programs out there that kids are are uh, testing positive and that is big because let's just talk about football from the landscape of college football and NFL. If you think we're going to play football, a sport that is very close contact, you're breathing heavy, you're very you're within the six feet of each other on a given play. If you think that football can't be isolated and they're exposed to different things, different elements, then we're not going to have a football season because of it. And you have Fauci and Trump arguing at each other. Ultimately, neither one of them is making the decision. They're both recommending things, but the decision holds on Mark Emmerich and Roger Goodell. And they right. both need to figure out what should we do? Should we not play with fans? Should we do this? Like, how are they going to figure all this out? And they have some time to figure it out. And it's not an easy they task. Do. And I'm sure you know, Roger Goodell is working really hard yeah. and figuring something out. And at least he's showing good leadership in a sense of, hey, we're going to figure this thing out. He's not talking to the media about what's going on. He kind of avoids the media. To yeah, begin which with. is smart. You have to in this day and age. You have to avoid the media unless you have something sound and concrete that you you could share with the people. But speaking of Dr. Fauci, okay, I'm going to make a funny here, but I am going to ask you a serious question. I never thought the movie Bubble Boy would become a reality. However, (laughs) if you saw Dr. Fauci's plan about the bubble plan for the National Football League to do, so what are they going to do? Is this going to be football? We're going to they're going to be inside bubbles, and it's going to be like bumper cars. So how are you going to tackle somebody? (laughs) 
<laughs> Explain that to me. I don't understand you know those, this bubble strategy. Like you know those giant balls that people like ram into each other with. Yeah, it's gonna be it's like, like yeah, that. they're gonna it's gonna be that. They're just yeah. gonna buy a bunch of those. Definitely, it would be a lot safer, I guess. But still, it won't stop concussions because you still could get a major collision and yeah. But in all seriousness, the, really, the bubble uh, plan. Yeah, the bubble plan is how the NBA is doing it. It's where you isolate in the environment where only the players are allowed to be there and only the players are allowed to have access to it. And you minimize the amount of exposure that is there. The NFL has a serious issue. How are you going to create 32 teams playing in one location? Now that's the biggest issue that you're going to have because you're going to have to find a spot that's isolated that has the amount of football fields to play games some of them simultaneously. The way that it's going to work is all these teams are going to have to isolate an environment. And that's a big thing because you have to find enough capacity for all these people because there's 53 players on an NFL team. Um, you're going to have to find a spot times 32. You're going to have to find a spot that's going to hold over 1,000 people at a given time. If you look at it from that perspective, there's not a whole lot of locations that are going to be able to deal with this kind of thing and have the capacity to run multiple games at one time. So they really have their work cut out for them. And I think if college football is kind of in the same conundrum, because you can't, the way that they structure their leagues, West Virginia is in a league with Texas. How is that going to work? So they got a lot of things to figure out. They do. Uh, And we're nowhere close to the the football season, but that is going to be a very difficult problem to solve and also too yeah the second wave the true second wave is going to happen in october and it's already going to be a bad flu season and then when you mix in covid19 and a lot of times people are going to have the flu not knowing if they have covid19 or or have both that could be the double whammy and it could just be more catastrophic if you will it's going to be more deadly on the second wave and typically how it is with these pandemics. So, and that's just another thing to watch out for. So yes, they definitely got some challenges coming up, but at least they got time to figure it out. And like I said, we're in uncertain times and we're just trying to take it day by day. We're literally living day by day. Think about the show we did last week and how different the landscape is from last week to this week. It's crazy. Yeah, we thought we were going to have baseball last week. And speaking of, you know, on a side note with tennis, the U.S. Open is going to happen with no fans. But the thing is, tennis is in the same predicament on how to isolate the players because you have 128 men's tennis players 128 women's tennis players and then add in just players now some of them will cross over and play doubles but some just only play doubles so you add in a few more so you're talking about at least 300 tennis players they can only bring one person usually a coach i think it's one coach and one trainer that's it that's all they can have so it's very minimal so they can't even bring a significant other with them so that's something tennis is going to have to figure out so the big three is actually pulled out the U.S. Open. Rafael Nadal's out. Novak Djokovic is out. Obviously, Roger Federer is out because he's out for the season. What that means, if U.S. Open gets off, there's going to be a Nicholas Cryos win. We're going to have a we're going to have a new we're going to have a new Grand Slam winner. That's not the big three because the big has won every Grand Slam since Stan Wawrinka did it in 2016 when he won the U.S. Open. So four I'm years later, you. we might have a new one. It's going to be Dominic. Dominic teams probably like, oh, yeah, I don't have to deal with those guys. And if he's playing, 
Forget about it. He's going to win it. I will Nick put Kyrgios. my money on him. Take me to Vegas right now. The only time I know a sure thing, I will put my money on Dominique team. He will take the U.S. Open. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first on Sports Matters. <laughs> All right. That's his bold prediction. Because right after that, clay season's going to happen. And you know, Nadal, he wants to do that. So they're going to have two ATP 1000 clay tournaments. That's the Roma 1000 and I believe the Madrid. They have to have two warm-ups. So it cancels out some of the smaller ones. And then they'll have the French Open. So unfortunately for Roger Federer's Hoffman's Cup that he has every year, that's getting canceled for the first time in a long time. Yeah, a lot of crazy things going on in the sporting world. I'm glad we touched up on NCAA basketball, but Matt, are you ready for some trivia? NCAA football. Are you ready? Yeah, NCAA football. What did I just say? You said NCAA basketball. That too. (laughs) Well, we're not there yet. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is why I have Matt Burt Sports on because he keeps me honest. We keep each other honest. We have our first fast five trivia questions. And it's going to segue us. We are going to talk about the NBA because there's a lot of things I want to talk about in the NBA. But first, I got five trivia questions for you, Matt. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. This is all time. Most efficient players in the playoffs. Best shooting percentage. So your choices are A, Chris Paul. B, Kevin Durant. C, Michael Jordan. Or D, Stephen Curry. Most efficient, like, field goal percentage? Correct. Who had the best field goal percentage in the playoffs? A mixture of both two-pointers and three-pointers out of those guys. So, out of Chris Paul, Stephen Curry, Michael Jordan. I'm going to go Michael Jordan, but I feel like this is a trick question because it probably could be someone like that I wasn't expecting. I'll go Michael Jordan. That's incorrect. I'll give you one more guess. It's your favorite player. Come on. Steph Curry is? Yes. Steph Curry is. Steph Curry has a 55.8% shooting percentage, followed by Chris Paul with 52.9%. LeBron and Kevin Durant are tied with 52.8%. And Jordan's at 50.3%. I mean, Jordan's a good guess. I mean, Jordan's that's what throws you off. The next question I know you're going to get because, I mean, if you're a Golden State Warrior fan, you're going to get it. But the highest efficiency – in the finals, scoring efficiency in the finals. Is it one, Chauncey Billups, two, Ray Allen, three, Michael Jordan, or four, Kevin Durant? That's KD. Yeah. I would have, yeah. But if you didn't say that thing in the beginning, I probably would have guessed like Chauncey Billups. But no, no, it's KD. I knew you get KD. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are kind of like, I don't know, hard questions. But uh, how many finals MVPs did Steph Curry win? Zero. Yeah, you knew that. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? He has the highest shooting percentage in the playoffs, the fifth highest in NBA Finals efficiency, and yet he has no NBA Finals MVPs. What's up with that? Well, Andre Iguodala had to guard LeBron. Okay, so. <laughs> That's why he won one, and he he basically was the only person on the team. When they would switch off Andre Iguodala onto someone else, then LeBron would put up numbers. But when Andre Iguodala was guarding him, he at least minimized the amount of things that he was able to do, even though LeBron was still able to score over anyone on that team. So, uh, And KD deserved both of those. He won those two NBA MVPs because he was the man. He was the most behind LeBron. He was the most unguardable person on the floor. Absolutely. And, and he proved why. And he is one of the best players in the NBA if not the best player. so He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn for sure. <laughs> okay, next question. Kobe Bryant's first field goal was a dunk, 
a two-pointer, a layup, or a three-pointer? His first field goal? Yes. And free throws not on there. Yeah, no free throws. His very first field goal that he made. I guess uh, he dunked it. I don't know this. Close. Three-pointer. Well, that's not close at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because the second field goal was a dunk. (laughs) That's why. That's why I said it was close. I know. These are – I'm throwing one back in the day. This is in the 1992-93 NBA season. Who won the league MVP? Was it Michael Jordan? Was it the Ray man, Sean Kemp? Was it Hakeem Olajuwon? Or was it Sir Charles Barkley? 93? I'm going to guess Hakeem Olajuwon. So close. He won it the next year. It was actually Charles Barkley. That was the year I was born. I know. I know. It's a tough question. But I had, I'm just trying to check your wide range. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, just because Matt went three out of five on the questions doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. But, again, it's also the guy that created the trivia questions were a little favoring his era, I guess. I don't know. No, all yeah. of them were in my era. I yeah. just don't – like the field goal percentage, that kind of threw me off because I wasn't expecting Curry to be – because he shoots a lot of threes, and he only shoots at 41% from three. But in the so playoffs, he was, more, he was more deadlier in the playoffs. I, I thought you may have read that article because it was trending uh, last week on the internet. I was trying to, like, figure stuff that's on the internet, you know, that – I didn't read that. Questions, but it's, just, it's just fun. This is fun. This is just fun stuff. I mean, trust me, man. If you would have asked sure. me those same questions, I probably would have gotten two out of five. Because the only All two right, I really I'll knew was – Five tennis questions next week. Oh, oh, you'll destroy me because my tennis knowledge is decent. It's not great. Name the big three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. my tennis question. On a serious note, so there's been this serious debate, so I'm going to read something to you that uh, Gilbert Arenas, you remember him, right? Gilbert Arenas yeah. at one time was a top ten player in the NBA, even a top five player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about the comparison between LeBron James in his prime years and Kobe Bryant in his prime years. And this is what he says. It's a tough question because Kobe is a killer. He is an assassin, but it depends on how you're starting your lineup. If you need somebody who will take over at any moment in the game, you are always going to go to Kobe. If you're trying to build from the beginning and you need an all-around player, you are going to go with LeBron. At the end of the day, it all depends on how you start your lineup. One is an assassin, period. One is a setup man. He's not going to give you 60, 40, 40, 60 points. That's Kobe. And then after that, if you ask me in their prime who is better, probably Kobe. All around, he is just a better player in the sense of skill work, knowledge. But it's hard to knock what LeBron does. LeBron is amazing. What he is good at, that's what he is. I wouldn't be mad at either of them, to be honest. What are your thoughts on that? I think he's kind of off base. The whole, <laughs> I was with him until he said, I could understand what he was saying up until he said, if you're going to look for someone to score 60, 40 or whatever, LeBron does that in the finals. He has. LeBron does that. Like, I don't know if he was like, go put the tape on of his finals games. The guy has had a 50 point finals game multiple and he consistently averages 30 10 10 in those finals exactly that's that's a good point you bring up because lebron can hit 40 points 
but he'll have a triple double. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's the Magic Johnson. He's like today's version of Magic Johnson, but just cut up a, a little bit better than Magic. Yeah. I mean, he's just a physical specimen. That's what's so unique about LeBron James. He, I tell you, the player that he really reminds me of, and I know it's before your time, is uh, Len Bias. And it's so unfortunate. None of us got to see Len Bias play in the NBA with that unfortunate him having to celebrate by doing some bad cocaine and which. The man never did any drugs at all. Just was very, very, very unfortunate. But he was an amazing player, and he had that all-around game like LeBron James. It's just so tough to compare the two. I mean, I'm a little biased. I love Kobe Bryant. I think he's so smart at the game. I mean, he has a high basketball IQ. And when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter how bad of a game he's having. When the game's on the line, the man is fearless, and he's he wants to take the last shot, and he will take the last shot. And he's got the deadly bite. And he goes in, he's gonna he's gonna kill you. If it doesn't, he's gonna kill you the next game. That's just that's his style. That's how he plays. And LeBron's yeah. a great all around player. But to say LeBron doesn't have the killer instinct, you brought up a good point in the finals against the Warriors when. LeBron chased down and made that block that, for their finals victory. And let's not forget, you know, he did a lot of the work in Miami, too. Like, that was not – he was on that team. He was the guy among superstars playing. Every single player that has won a championship, like, if you go through probably, I got to say, maybe one that I can think of in the last 20 years of my life that I've seen that has – only had one superstar on it, and that was the Dallas Mavericks when they beat Miami the year after Dwayne Wade won with Shaq. And that really, they had Dirk Nowitzki. Jason Kidd was on the team, but Jason Kidd wasn't Jason Kidd then. That's the only time I've seen it. So if you said which player would win a championship just by themselves, you go Kobe Bryant, for sure. That's where the debate is really hit. Like, who is the more likely to take over and win games well the answer is Kobe Bryant because LeBron James can do it all by himself but it's tough for him to do everything because he's so big and he's so good at defense when he wants to be let me preface that when he wants to be good at defense he's good at defense. different rules today too and this is not what it was before yeah and if you are handling the ball and you're making passes and you turn over the ball you're the last person to the back end no matter how – just the way that it works is, like, if you are turn the ball over in the front court, the offense that you just turned over to has an advantage, right? They have you ahead. And if you're close to the basket, you're not going to get down back. Right. So my whole point with that is, is that the primary ball handler that is passing is more likely to turn over the ball than the guy that is shooting. So I think that – Kobe Bryant is a. If you get put him on an individual team, you put both of them on an individual team with no superstars. I think the more likely of the two to win a championship is Kobe Bryant. But well, you know, you made a good point because next to what Cleveland coming back on the Golden State Warriors, and granted, there was a lot of variations that are variables that played in that with Draymond Green being suspended in game five, and then all of a sudden Cleveland started gaining momentum and just a great play by LeBron James. But I have to say that 2011 finals – that Dirk Nowinski, who was the only superstar to defeat a super team. And I know the super team was just getting together, but they were playing good basketball and they finally developed their camaraderie. And they actually came back from a 2-0 deficit to defeat them. The Mavericks did. They kind of paid back. Or no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm confused because you know what it is? It, it was the Miami, Miami Heat in 2006 yep. that came back from an 0-2 deficit to defeat. Then the best. Shaq and Wade. Yeah. 
Right. And, and then that was the Mavericks team that had the best record in the NBA. They were the better team, but they got beat by the Miami Heat. But the one in 2011, I think th- did that goes seven. I'm not sure. But all I'm saying is, is that that was a great upset. Yep. Because Miami Heat should have ruled the Mavericks. And for that to happen, I was like, wow. <laughs> but yeah. we never did get to see the Kobe versus LeBron finals, unfortunately. Well, I mean, that would have been – it would have been considered the passing of the guard. And I think I think LeBron is the best basketball player that we have seen. I think he's tied with Michael Jordan in the seeing era. Just to not have everyone hate me for saying that, but I think that they are comparable. LeBron James is the best basketball player, period. But if you ask for a guy that's going to take over and win you a game by himself, Kobe Bryant, single-handedly, I don't think – I think LeBron can do it. I think it just takes a lot out of him yeah. to be good at every aspect and still score the basketball. I think pound for pound, one of the best players in the NBA has got to be Stephen Curry, what he can do. His quick hands, how he can steal basketballs, and the way he <laughs> shoots, the way he moves that ball around. And I'll tell you what, you talk about a, a crafty passer. Stephen Curry is actually a really great passer. I mean, it's beautiful some of the passes he's done. He's a great player. And it's like, I'm so tired of people criticizing him like, oh, well, if he played back in the 90s, he wouldn't do as great. Yes, he would get knocked around more. But at the time, great players find ways to adjust and get better. They find ways to overcome their obstacles. And Steph Curry, I've seen him play in college, and I just knew he was going to be something special. He went to Davidson, ladies and gentlemen. He went to a small school, and he actually got that team pretty far in the NCAA tournament, and he was amazing. And you talk about somebody taking over a game. He took over the game on both ends of the floor. I've seen it. He's done it with the Golden State Warriors, and he's definitely another player that could take over a game. And, yes, I know Kevin Durant was a nice asset to the Golden State Warriors, but I'm telling you, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm a Laker fan, but I'll, I'm telling you, the Golden State Warriors 2.0, that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Watch out for the Warriors is all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, so the real winners throughout this whole thing is, you know, the Warriors pick up an amazing draft pick, and they got Wiggins that can be a trade asset to that will match salary to get a max contract guy because he's paid the super max. That's the biggest thing is that you move D'Angelo Russell, who is on the max, but the players that they added together, this is why it's so, I'm telling you, Bob Myers is the best general manager in basketball. And number two is Sam Presti. That's my ranking right there. Number one and number two, because. Now, who's, they, who's Sam the GM of? Sam Presti is the GM of the Thunder. The GM of the Thunder. Okay, I'll, I'll explain wow. why Bob Myers is the best. Because he did this. And this is based off of this season. Um, Bob Myers went in and traded D'Angelo Russell and packaged three other players to meet the Supermax contract of Andrew Wiggins. Now, the trade exemption for them allowed them to pick up three other players from their G League or, or whoever. So now they could trade Wiggins and end up with a super max talent. They can go after and get oh any gosh. max <laughs> player because they have Wiggins. And if you wanted to package the five pick and Wiggins and go out and get, you know, whoever, they can go and do that. 
or they could go and get two players. So that's where Bob Myers is playing chess instead of checkers. And all the, you know, all the players that he's brought in, there's some really good talented young players for them. Oh, absolutely. And they're developing and they they got a, a pretty decent squad in the G League too. So, yeah, uh, no, so I, 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 I agree with you 100%. He's has to be the best GM and you're going to see it. You're going to see the results next year. Hopefully, you know, things are – we get a normal basketball season. Yeah. It might be a shorter season, but at least we'll get some normalcy, I hope. Do you want to know why Sam Presti is the second best? I got to know because this that, that's a shocker. So, elaborate, please. <laughs> so, when Sam Presti traded away his star talents, right, which is in a small market, Oklahoma City is not a big market. They can't right. afford to keep these talents just because they're not a luxurious destination. And so you're going to have to be a little bit like the Oakland A's. And you know what he did? He went out and got one of the best young, talented point guards in Shai Gilders Alexander and met him with a CP3 who's going to train him and make him a better superstar uh, point guard. And they have, over the next five years, correct me if I'm wrong, they traded and received I think something like eight first round picks. That's a crazy. I do remember that, that he did collect a lot of first round picks. In the <laughs> next five years, they're going to have eight first round picks. Think about that. And it's from teams. Wow. That might not be good five years from now, or, you know, that might not be good. They went out and they got first round talents from really bad teams. Boy, you talk so about a person playing chess. Boy, he, they're playing chess. I'm telling you, Oklahoma City, like, we look at them when they drafted. They got Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. I know. And, and you want us to know why? Because they did the same thing previously. Wow. They went out and they drafted good talent. That's amazing. And you think about all those first rounds. And also, too, that's a really good you – know, you could trade, depending on how they construct their team or how they're going to build their core. But, yes, they could do it all over again and, you know, get their new James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant. Exactly. Yes, yes. It's all uppity up for Oklahoma City. I know right now it just seems like, oh, you know, but they're actually – Chris Paul's done a really good job over there. I was actually shocked. I thought they were playing way better than yeah. I anticipated. I didn't even think they were going to be a playoff team. And I'm thinking, like, playoffs? Don't talk to me about playoffs. But they're right in the playoff hunt. Yeah, they're going to be showcasing their talents in Orlando. So, But speaking of that, there's a couple of interesting things that I wanted to, to touch on Okay, that – uh, about the little bubble scenario that I thought were really cool. So they are allowed to do a couple of different things. They have a they have live shows with professional DJs. So they're going to have like a whole party kind of atmosphere. They've got uh, a movie theater just for the players. Oh, they that's have cool. A golf course just for the players. Nice. They have all these. They have twenty four seven concierge. And that'll go out and get them food or whatever. They 24-7. So if they're hungry late at night, they're allowed to have their family members in this complex. Then so the last really cool bit of information that they have, which is kind of cool to think about that we've progressed so far. They now have these rings that they have to wear when they're not playing. And this wouldn't work in the NFL when they're playing because you don't want to get a ring jammed in the facial guard. Oh, yes. But the NBA players have these rings that will test their internal body temperatures and read all these signs, and they're able to predict up to 90% of COVID tests three days before showing symptoms. 
Wow. These rings. Wow, that's so crazy. Every player is going to get one. So they're able to identify if someone has COVID early on through this. So the NBA is light years ahead of everyone in how they deal with something like this. So while the MLB is struggling to figure out, the NBA has created an environment and has made it interesting for the players to go to. Now, that being said, there is a lot that has to happen from the players' end. Kyrie Irving has already came out and said he's not going to play, and it's because of the protests. Uh, and I, and I'm, like, all for, I'm all for that. You know, I, I'm all for the players speaking their minds. I'm also all yeah. for if they don't feel comfortable playing with the COVID-19 going on. I'm go. all for it. Look, I, I, that's their prerogative, and, and they should have that right. What I don't like seeing is you got Kendrick Perkins pointing a finger at Kyrie Irving, calling him a sellout, and Kevin Durant yeah. responds to Kendrick Perkins, calling him a sellout. It's like, stop with all the finger pointing. Kendrick Perkins is irrelevant. I mean, the fact that he gets his name in so many different articles for just literally just talking. And it's like, I don't know about you, but have you ever seen Kendrick Perkins' career, NBA? And oh, yes. Last year? Okay, two things that he has said. This guy, he's bad. Like, he's ridiculous. Do so you think he's just trying to be like Charles Barkley, say outlandish stuff? But at least Charles Barkley thinks before he says it. And at he knows Charles what he's Barkley doing. Charles was good in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> at least Charles Barkley is a He was a league player. MVP, which I he thought you were going to get that. I thought you were going to get that question. But anyway, go ahead. You're all born that I year. <laughs> I, knew it was, I knew it was one of those two. I knew that that one wasn't Michael Jordan that year. But um, it was from the, the last dance. So anyway, but continue. Yeah. Well, they did it twice. They said it. Akeem Olajuwon won MVP, and then they also said Charles Barkley yeah. won MVP. Well, uh, he did. Olajuwon won it the next two years. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got confused. Anyways, Kendrick Perkins' career numbers, he averaged four points, four <laughs> rebounds in 16 minutes. Yeah. And the last year, okay, so he also said, if I was on the Oklahoma City team, we would have won that finals, and we would have beat the Warriors. The year that he was on the New Orleans Pelicans after he got cut by – the Thunder, he averaged two points, three rebounds, 0.5 block shots. How many you minutes? Want me to continue? In 16 minutes. Wow, so he wasn't even playing that much. Well, he, he was a defensive liability if you had him on there longer. He just says things because he has respect among players for being in the league for as long as he did. And he's now he doesn't care. He's just going to say right. whatever he wants. And remember, he's been teammates with both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yes. So, and he was also, I mean, the only championship he won was with the Boston Celtics when he was with riding the coattails of Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Rajon yep. Rondo, yep. Paul Pierce. Yeah. That's like saying, you know, Zaza coming out and saying, so Matt, Death was a good, <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah. it's essentially the same. And yeah. it's like, okay, that's a whole different tangent. We are starting to run out of time. So if you right, want to finish I'll, out your thought. I'll just finish out my thought with this. It all rests in LeBron James' hands. It does. If LeBron James plays, then you'll see a lot of players playing. If LeBron James does not play, you'll see a lot of players not playing. All rests in his hands. Kyrie Irving doesn't have the amount of influence as LeBron James does. Listen. The only two players that are confirmed as maybe not playing are Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley because of that. So my selfish side, of course I want to see basketball, but mm -hmm. I completely respect their decision. If they Me don't too. play, 
I respect it, hands yep. down. So we got a very special show coming up next, and I'll tell you why it's so special. It is Claudia Shambal's 10-year anniversary show. Yes, the gold standard, 10 years on air. And the last show was amazing. And she's really covering some some very, very delicate topics. I mean, Matt and I, we've touched on it. She goes in depth and she talks to some very powerful people. So this show coming up next is going to be a great show you do not want to miss. Claudia Shambal to Ask a Leader, the 10-year anniversary show. Yeah. How about that? Congratulations, Claudia. Yes. She's way better at talking about socially conscious things than we are, for sure. Well, I tell you what, she does an amazing job. And and Mm -hmm. we do a great job on Sports Matters. You know, we get a lot of really great positive feedback from all of our KUCI show hosts, and and which it flatters us, and we're, we're thankful. But listeners... Stay tuned to listen to Claudia's show to ask a leader. But until then, all sports matters. I love you, Grandma.